Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Notable Peeps Podcast, a series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming true. Loving listening to other people's stories here on this podcast, then maybe it's time to start recording your own. Head on over to reminisaudio.com and take the hard work out of preserving your memories. Hey, hey, you're listening to Notable Peeps Podcast. Hello, my name's Steph, and today I'm here with Brooke Davies, or as I know her, Jazzer. <laughs> my favorite name. <laughs> um, Brooke, do you want to talk about, so we, we met each other at a girls' camp, uh, called Oakcrest Girls' Camp, and up there everyone has a name that they go by. So my name was Jemima, and Brooke's was Jazzer. Do you want to tell us why your name ja- was Jazzer? So my name is Jazzer because it is my real personality of loving the Utah jazz more than anything in the world. So that is why I named myself that. It's the name I wish I would go by in society. <laughs> well, and you just have so many stories that would just crack me up. So can you tell us about when Carl Malone left your experience oh, with that? it was horrible. So Stockton had retired, which just broke my little heart, and I just cried all the time. And um, then Carl Malone decided he was going to betray us and go to the Lakers, <laughs> and I had a life-size poster of him in my room that had been hanging there for my, I think, my whole life. I don't know. I don't remember it not being there. So I drew some devil hooks on it. Probably shouldn't have done that. And ripped it down and was super bitter. So... <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> have you made peace with it? Like, I've, I've made Carl? peace. Like he retired and um, yeah, like now he's, you know, he's still one of the family. He just had a little dark moment and <laughs> we've accepted him back. Another one of my favorite stories is when guys, like they knew that you loved the Utah Jazz and so before you were <laughs> married, they would want to take you on dates to yeah. impress you. And how would you come to a date? So like, especially in the playoffs, um, I wear a little different outfit to jazz games than I maybe would in a regular season. And so I, like, paint my face and, like, I spray paint my hair. I'm wearing, like, jazz from head to toe. And, yeah, one date I went on, um, it was a playoff game. It wasn't – I don't even know if it was a date, but he was not expecting the get-up I was wearing. And we, like, went to dinner before at, like, a fancy restaurant. And I (laughs) looked the way I did. And, yep. (laughs) I just love it because when you told me that story, he takes you to this fancy restaurant <laughs> and you're all decked out yeah. and he's like, oh. Yeah. But you seem that you love the jazz. Like No, like I you- love them. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. And then um, tell us a little bit about your proposal to your husband. Oh, okay. So I met my husband back in high school, so he has long known about my love for the jazz. But um, when we were dating later on, we like kind of talked about getting married and stuff, and I basically told him like, if it doesn't happen at a jazz game, I don't know what my answer is going to be. But if it happens at a jazz game, it's going to be a yes. And so, um, yeah. So he proposed at the jazz game, and the jazz bear was there. Some people got confused, thought I was getting engaged to the jazz bear. Nope, getting engaged <laughs> to my husband. Um, yeah, I didn't even hear my husband say, uh, "Will you marry me?" Because I was so distracted by the jazz bear and the jazz players that were around. <laughs> So, yeah, I just nodded my head when I saw him on the ground with the ring, and I was like, I think he probably proposed. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. And um, I know that we're talking about this jazz topic for a while, but it's just because I think that was so funny. <laughs> so when we were at camp, I oh, re- I recruited some people <laughs> to be Laker fans because like those are your absolute. They're they're the enemy. Especially yeah. now LeBron's gone there. It's fun. We can be enemies again. It's awesome. <laughs> and so um, I had outside a big sign that said "Go Lakers." Yeah. And I remember you and your campers. Yep, we came on down. We booed it. Like, I made them do a cheer every week about loving the jazz. Probably one of the top moments of Oak Crest was when I got all 400 of the girls to start chanting, go jazz, go, at the end of the week. Yeah, it was great. It was so awesome. Okay, so, but, like, what started your love for the jazz? Um, Stockton Malone, which is why his betrayal was so heartbreaking to me. <laughs> Stockton. Yep. Dig it. Um, so just all the, like back in the nineties when the jazz were getting really good, like in 96, 97, when they played the Rockets and John Stockton hit that shot, like my life was changed forever. I couldn't go back after that. And my mom thought it was a phase that I would grow out of, but nope, I'm wearing a jazz jacket as we speak. So, yeah. So that's, that's where it started. And then did you play basketball? I did play basketball. I quit to run. So I... I'm a runner. I ran for UVU and did distance running, but I love basketball. I coached basketball at the high school I work at, and yeah, it's it's the best. So, and then were you excited about the Jazz going to playoffs? Finally, they've been terrible. Like people are like, "Oh, you probably aren't a Jazz fan." I'm like, "No, I've been a Jazz fan since they were terrible. When they lost every <laughs> single game, I watched every single loss. So yeah, it's nice that they're good again." I feel a little bitter about everyone who says they're good jazz fans when they didn't hang around for the last, you know, decade when they were awful. But it's okay. Everyone is welcome to be a jazz fan. It was just you and the pink grannies there. Just, at the- oh, just <laughs> that's my life dream. I tell Brandon, my husband is Brandon. Uh, I tell him when I grow up, I want to be the pink grannies. Like that is my retirement goal. Because they get like a little shout yeah, out at the beginning. They're the best. Yeah. yeah. They're just the best. That's my, my dream to be when I grow up. <laughs> Have you ever met them? No, I haven't met them. Mm. I haven't met anyone cool with a jazz. I have a lot of people telling me about the cool jazz people they meet, but <laughs> I don't ever get to meet the cool jazz people. <laughs> but I love it, too, since all your friends know that you love the jazz. Yeah. Like, if something big happens, yeah. you get all these texts from Oh, people. yeah, yeah. Like, so I teach high school, and a lot of times the students will come up and be like, hey, just so you know, I was hanging out with Donovan Mitchell on the weekend. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You could have invited me. That would have been even cooler. Or given me a picture. And By hanging out, they mean they were at the same place. Probably, yeah. They, yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Some of them actually are kind of friends. Maybe not like now. They've probably graduated and mm-hmm. whatever, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, that's them. So. Well, okay, so we haven't seen each other for a while. Years. Okay, maybe not years. No, but it's been a, a while. Yeah. Okay, at least yeah. a year. So part of the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast is because you recently adopted. Yes. And... And I don't know how I found – I think you had, like, a Facebook post uh-huh. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about that and how adoption for a lot of people can seem like this impossible yeah. thing. And so yeah. do you want to share a little bit about – maybe let's, like, hear more about your husband, okay. your guys' life, everything. Kind of just backstory. Like, yeah, just – Okay. Um, so I met my husband in high school, and we were just really good friends um, for a few years. And um, he went and served an LDS mission um, to Brazil. And then after he got back, um, we started dating – so we'd been really good friends for a long time and then dated and, and got married about, we're all going on almost seven years now. Um, so yeah, after we got married, I was, um, like I said, a runner at UVU. So kind of finished up my collegiate career and then- A worked. fast runner, by the way. Plus, <laughs> running around doing some I, I inspired, like I aspire to be like you. <laughs> well, if you mean insane and likes to run around a lot, then yeah, that's, that's a great aspiration. Um, so yeah, we got married- um, 
And I graduated. I um, teach high school social studies, so taught for a couple years. My husband finished up school, um, and then he got a job working as a scientist, and then he's actually now back in school getting his PhD. So um, that's kind of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What, what else do you want to know? When when did you guys kid, want to start? Kid stuff? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we started trying to have kids about, I think it was like three or three and a half years ago. And I'd had some health problems in college. They just couldn't really figure them out. Thought maybe it was an autoimmune disease or something. So we thought there might be some difficulties getting pregnant and stuff. So after a year went in, um, we tried for a year, no success. And then they found a bunch of things wrong. And so um, we started doing fertility treatments and they just weren't working. And that was just like super hard on my body and just super hard to just try and get pregnant, try and get pregnant, try and get pregnant and not be able to. And just so frustrating. Um, And so January actually of last year, about a year ago, we went in after doing a bunch of rounds that hadn't worked, um, and they did some more tests. We went to a different specialist, and they found some things and said, like, oh, you're going to need surgery. You're going to um, need to do all of these different things, and then we'll try some more treatments and stuff. And so at that point, like, I was just so exhausted. Um, and some of my, uh, like, health problems are that I can't get pregnant, but even if I do get pregnant, like, I have a pretty high chance of losing and miscarrying or having a stillborn baby. So, like, with all of these things, it was kind of like we kind of needed to make a decision of, like, what were we going to do? Um, and so we knew that I wouldn't do surgery for a little while, and so we decided, like, kind of talked about it, and we're both um, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so we decided kind of that we'd pray about it, and, and that was important to us in our, our faith and stuff, and so... Um, after that, we both decided, let's just kind of try both roads. Like we had seen some cool Instagram stories of people that had done adoption and fertility treatments and just kind of felt like that was the way to go. Um, so we met with a few friends that had adopted, kind of found um, there's an organization called Utah Adoption Specialists, which is um, a bunch of social workers that got together. It's kind of a nonprofit that um, the LDS Church used to do adoptions, but they don't. So some of the social workers that used to work for them when they did adoptions um, kind of started this to help uh, with private infant adoptions. So we decided to not go with an agency and um, to get our, you have to get a home study done just to make sure legally you're okay and financially you're okay to adopt. So we went through Utah Adoption Specialists for that. And um, you can do either private adoption or an agency adoption. And an agency, generally there's a lot more fees and there's some really sketchy agencies out there. There's good ones, but it's it's a lot harder to navigate and it's a lot more expensive. Um, and with social media, a lot of the times today you can, you can get matched with people just through word of mouth. And that's kind of what happened to us. So we got our home study done and then we just kept filling in January like, oh, I got to get my blog up. We got to get the word out and different things. So we ended up posting on – do you want me to tell this whole story? Yeah. I, 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 okay. All right. I'm I just going to keep going. I haven't talked to you. Okay. So I'm, I'm just like, going to keep going. All this. So, um, so yeah, we just kind of decided to – we were going to put the fertility treatments on hold for a little bit and wait and do surgery. I had to get some more tests done and stuff. And so we decided we'd kind of wait for that and do surgery after the school year after I was done teaching. Um, and we would just pursue adoption. So adoption usually takes a while and we had kind of assumed that it would probably be a year or two at least if we, if we ever got matched. Um, and we got our home study done and, and like I said, I just kept feeling this kind of nagging, like, Hey, you got to get this out. And, um, so we posted on social media that we were adopting and that was pretty hard because I'm actually a pretty private person when it comes to trials and different things. I keep them pretty quiet until maybe after the fact Mm -hmm. I'm more open. So that was hard for Brandon and I to just be super open with our families and with like the world about, Hey, I can't have babies. And, um, 
But we posted, and the next day, our one of our good friends saw it on social media, and she was taking a bus up to school in Salt Lake, and she and this is probably like the coolest miracle of the whole story was how we got matched with um, our baby's name is Abigail, and she was sitting on this bus going to school, and she just heard um, a young man behind her talking about his mom's friend's daughter who was hoping to place a baby for adoption. What the? Yeah, so crazy. <laughs> and so this guy. Um, that ended up connecting us with Abby's birth mom. Um, he ne- he said he never takes that bus. He just happened to be on it that day. He usually takes a different route at a different time. Um, and then our good friend was on there. And so she just just kept feeling like she needed to turn around, needed to turn around. And um, so she actually turned around and talked to them and said, hey, I have a friend who's hoping to adopt. Um, are you okay if I get your contact information and and share that with them? And so she ended up texting me later that day. And her words were, I just felt the spirit screaming at me to turn, turn around. And so she did. Wait, so when you got this text, what were you? I was just like, what the? Like, it's been a day. Like, literally, uh-huh. it was a day. And um, – we were just – we were really kind of hesitant. Like, ah, this probably won't work yeah. out. Like, there's a lot of times in adoption, like, you'll find a lead, but it doesn't work out. They don't pick you or it falls through. There's also, like, adoption scammers. I mean, this one didn't seem like one. But there's just a lot. So we had, like, really low expectations. Like, I was like, oh, wow, that happened quick, but mm-hmm. probably not going to work out. So we got this information. And at first, it kind of sounded pretty promising. Um, We thought that the – the expectant mom at that time was in Utah, but found out later on that she was in Ohio and there were some legal things that were going on. And so we were just like, I I just don't like, this isn't going to work out. And I won't share all of the details yeah, with yeah. it just because that's like Abby's yeah. and her birth mom story. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I'll share as much as I can yeah. about her birth mom and stuff. Um, so yeah, she, we got the information and texted them and they basically just wanted us to write a letter to the um, expectant mom. So we wrote this letter, put some pictures in. Um, we found out later we like did not write the, the letters the way the adoption world wants you to. Like they, a lot of times the letters seem really generic and uh-huh. that's kind of what we did. We were like, Oh, we love you and all this yeah. stuff. But a lot of times expectant parents don't, don't love that because it just comes across not uh-huh. as well. But that's what we did. And yeah. so we found that out like a week later, like, Oh, our letter wasn't good. Uh-huh. And we don't even know if it got to her it didn't show your true personality no yeah I mean it said go jazz on it (laughs) (laughs) so um we just waited a few weeks and and we hadn't heard anything so we figured like oh this just didn't work out um so that was I think it was like January 20 something like 22nd 23rd um so a few weeks later it was the week of Valentine's Day and we hadn't heard anything um the social worker that we were working with was like oh that's a long shot like I don't think that's going to work out that just sounds pretty crazy the situation was pretty crazy um and so the week of Valentine's Day um I was actually at a we had, I coached basketball and so we were at a basketball dinner and I got a text from the with the Utah contact that is friends with the the birth family in Ohio and just said, Hey, we were just wondering, did you send a letter to the birth mom? Um, and we were like, yes, we did. And they were, they, she had gotten a letter, but she didn't know who it was. And she kind of wanted whoever the letter sender was to be the parents. And so we're like, Oh, that's probably not us. We had pictures in it and different things. So she's like, okay, well, I don't want to get your hopes up, but we think it might be yours. So just keep in touch with us. So the next day, um, she got back to us and we got in touch with the Ohio family um the grandma uh the great grandma of our our baby now and she 
basically talked to us and said, uh, actually, that was your letter. And we're just trying to figure out um, who um, Alexis is the birth mom Alexis wants to place with. And so, um, yeah, eventually um, she called us the next day on Valentine's Day and asked us to parent the baby on Valentine's Day. So, yeah, so that's kind of how we got matched with our our little baby. Wait, wait. So what was the time frame for when you – so you posted on social media – January, like I think it was like the 22nd or 23rd, and then February 14th we were matched and Abby was born April 16th. So super fast. Yeah, because I remember like yeah. seeing that you guys had already yep. Yep. Like, yep. adopted and yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah, and we – so with adoption, you just never know if things are going to go through. So we didn't post anything about it on social media. Um, we only told – like our family that we had been matched. And like if people would ask, I would tell them. But we just, um, with adoption, the expectant parents can choose to parent um, up until a certain time after birth. It depends on the state. Um, and that's a really good thing. So, But we also just didn't want to have to go back and tell everyone, you know, we had a failed adoption if it, if it didn't work out. And so a lot of people were like super shocked. Like one day I just posted like, and by the way, we have baby. And mm-hmm. so um, it was super fast. We decided to adopt in January. And then by April we had... Abigail so super fast some people wait like eight years to adopt and it's crazy well and I I look at that person on the bus that friend of yours yeah and would she have heard about it if she wasn't on social media no yeah uh -uh. like just randomly Uh -uh. seeing that post and then like following through exactly yeah super crazy and that's um like with private adoption that's kind of how it works is just like friends of friends of friends that see things and and get connected and and so that's kind of the cool I don't know, cool part of adoption in the social media world, I guess. So, yeah. Well, and so for three years, you guys were trying. So, like, Mother's Day and when people would oh, ask. Because yeah. I feel like that's everyone's, like, thing. Oh, yeah. It's like, whether you're single, it's like, when are you going to get married? Uh-huh. And if you haven't had kids, it's like, well, why don't you have kids? I think, yeah, I think the hardest thing, like, like I know, and people with infertility have different, like, struggles. Like, I know mm-hmm. some friends are like, oh, I can't go to baby showers. They're just awful. Yeah. Or, like, I have friends that are single, like, oh, weddings and bachelorette mm-hmm. parties. I just don't want to go. Um, I think for me the hardest thing was probably, like, I didn't – we didn't tell a lot of people. And so I was, like, really struggling, like, really privately. And that was really hard because um, it was just, like, a hard burden to carry. And then sometimes when we would tell people, they would say really hurtful things. Like, and they weren't maybe meaning to be hurtful, but they would say things like, oh, well, if you just do this, then you'll get pregnant. Or, oh, it's not a big deal. Or they they would just say things that kind of minimize like what you're going oh. through. And so like, like one thing in particular, people would say like, oh, well, when I was this age, I just had to relax and then I got pregnant. But with me, like there's like physical things that are yeah. wrong that make it mm-hmm. in, like hard near to impossible to get pregnant. And so things like that were really hard or, you know, they would just act like it wasn't a big deal when it was really hard. And I was taking shots and – or getting shots and taking medications and, and doing all of these things and just month after month after month just not getting pregnant. And and I didn't – I didn't know how hard it would be. I just, like, had heard people would struggle mm-hmm. with that. But I didn't know how hard, like, infertility would be. I was just like, oh, that'd be hard. But yeah. it'd be okay. But it was really hard, really hard. So what do you wish, like, people would have said, like, when you confided in them? I think, or- I think like, with a lot of trials, I think if people just say, man, that's got to be tough. Like, I think sometimes we try and give advice to solve people's problems. But a lot of times it's just, like – if you share something, it's, I just wanted people to say, man, that's tough. Like, or I don't know, let's hang out, let's do something instead of, you know, trying to 
solve things. Even like when we adopted, people say stupid things all the time. And, and most people are well-intentioned, but they still say stupid things. And and people would say things like, oh, now that you have adopted, I bet you'll get pregnant right away. And because they, they hear that. And we even had yeah. like our like just regular healthcare physicians would say things like that. And it's like, yeah, I, I know that you're not meaning to be hurtful, but it kind of makes it feel like like, oh, you struggled for three years and now poof, that's going to go yeah. away. And and so I think just like being understanding and saying things like, man, that's just, that's got to be hard. And like, I have a couple of friends that have struggled with infertility and have adopted and we'll just text each other and be real about what's going on and, and, and just being aware of different things. Like when people would check in and just ask how I was doing, that would probably, that meant the most to me then. And even now, like infertility doesn't go away. Like if we want to have other kids, like we have to go through it all again. It's not something like we have one kid and so now mm-hmm. it's all better. And yeah. So. No, I think that that's great advice of just yeah. empathizing and being like, and I don't know why it is that we often feel like we need to give advice. Mm-hmm. Like as you're saying that, I was like, I often give advice when I don't need to, especially right. to like my sisters or like whatever, if they're listening, they'll yeah. be like, yeah, uh, could, yeah, I just want you to listen. Yeah. You know? yep. And sometimes, I mean, there are some people like, like close family and friends, mm-hmm. if they gave me advice, I like usually, I knew where they were coming from yeah. and they cared about me. I think the most hurtful is like strangers or people, like I had people to just like pry and pry and pry, like just wanting to know why we didn't have kids. And especially at first we weren't sharing with people because yeah. it was just hard and I didn't want to. And, um, and those people that would pry and then they would say things yeah. that were insensitive. And I think that like family and friends, a lot of people like if they're really close family and friends, like I, they, I appreciate their mm-hmm. advice a lot of the time. So I don't know with your sisters, I'm sure even if they don't want to hear it, it's good to hear. But yeah, sometimes it is nice to just have someone say, "Man, that's that's hard. That's, yeah, that's got to be hard." Well, and I was thinking about it too. That sometimes, like the reason how you said like people pry or whatever, it's, it's that awkwardness of not knowing what else to talk about. Like right. whether it is you're single, you don't have right. kids yet. It's right. that just that oh. So why? So why are you you this different way of of the way everyone else seems to be? Or yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's just funny the things that people say. And I found like, I'm like, there are a lot of other things to talk about and focus on other than like how many kids you have or if you're married or, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think there's like the jazz. Yeah. Like the jazz (laughs) are a great thing to talk about. (laughs) I have like family and friends with cancer and and different things too. And sometimes it becomes the only thing people Mm -hmm. will talk to you about. Like if you have something that's a trial, it's like the only thing people will talk to you about like, hey, why are you single? Hey, why don't you have kids? Hey, why do you have cancer? Mm -hmm. You know, not why do you have cancer, but what are you going through with cancer? And and I think sometimes it's like, we can just talk about other things. Like you can ask me about my work or ask me about my husband or ask me about my hobbies or running or or something like that instead of always prying to figure out why don't you fit in this little square hole when you're a circle peg or whatever. So no, exactly. Yeah. So like with Mother's Day. Yeah. I I guess what's your advice to people – uh, to help oh, I don't, the, you know oh, what I mean hard. though because yeah. it's like yeah it's you're coming from a unique perspective mm-hmm. of and so so like you said people are well-intentioned mm-hmm. but how how do you pro- approach yeah. it I think there's a couple things I think like one for myself I had to be okay with like being upset sometimes like I had to allow myself to be super bummed or like there was one mother's day that I was like um you know, I just, I'm going to go to church for a little bit. I'm not going to go the whole time. Mm-hmm. And just like, maybe not a habit that was happening, but just being okay to give myself some space to do what I needed to do. Um, and then as far as other people, I think like 
just kind of that awareness. Like if you know someone's struggling with something and a certain thing might be hard for them, like especially with infertility, like inviting them to a baby shower, announcing that you're pregnant or um, Mother's Day or or something like that, just reaching out to them. I remember last Christmas was really hard because we were we had just had another failed infertility or failed fertility treatment and I had all of my little nieces and nephews running around and I just felt like so sad like we've been trying for two years there's no baby there's no baby in sight like they don't even at that point they still had no more answers for us and um I just like think if someone had reached out to me and been like, hey, how are you doing in this time? Are you doing okay? Because sometimes maybe I was doing okay, but at that time I was just super bummed and the holidays were hard without kids. And so if you're aware of something that somebody's going through, just taking the time to ask them how they're doing and maybe not assuming that they're okay or like if you have a good enough relationship with them, sometimes prying a little bit is good, like just to see how they're doing. And even if they don't want to talk about it, sometimes it was nice to just have someone be like, hey, I'm thinking of you you doing okay? And even if I was doing okay, it's nice to have that like relationship still there that I could talk with people about it. So. No, exactly. I, I just think just saying thinking of you mm-hmm. yep. is, is yeah. big. Yeah. I think too with infertility, like it was something that I thought about every single day. Like every single day I thought about not having a baby or having a baby or was my body working or was it not working? And like there were things literally every day that I had to do, whether it was taking medication or shots or all the different like things or waiting two weeks to pee on a stick to have it say that I'm not pregnant. And so I think um, I, I think a lot of people didn't really know that it was something like literally every single day I was thinking about. I, I teach I teach kids. And so every single day I was like, man, when am I going to be able to take care of my own kid instead of these 300 other kids? Or, you know, if I had a pregnant high school student or I had, you know, these other situations that were fine and I worked through them, but maybe just a little more difficult. Like it was something that I thought about every single day. And that's not true of every trial, but some trials are things that you think about every day, all the time. And they're really hard to, it's like exhausting to do that every day. So well, especially where I feel like you are someone that you just have a talent to be able to connect, whether it is with teenagers or younger kids that, yeah, that especially being surrounded by, even though they're high school kids, right. they're older, like. Right. Yeah. They're still kids and I'm yeah. still like taking care of other people's mm-hmm. kids and. Yeah. Yeah. So. So let's go to when you got to bring Abigail home yes so was that just sort of crazy like one oh, second so like crazy. you guys aren't parents and then the next second you are like can you it was explain so that? crazy um yeah so obviously we weren't expecting this so I had made as just life you know you make plans and they don't go the way you plan so I had made all these plans like I was gonna change careers and I was getting my graduate degree and I had all these things that I was gonna do because adoption was gonna take a while and fertility treatments we were putting on hold for a while and so when we got matched so quickly and um when we brought Abigail home like things were just crazy because it was just not planned and it was the best surprise miracle ever but like some adjustments for sure so um like teaching, they don't, uh, at my work, unfortunately, they don't give really any maternity leave for adoption. Like you can take no, like you can take total unpaid leave, but I, I only had two weeks off of work. And so I had to go back to work after two weeks. So we had this like two week little newborn baby at home. And, um, so that probably was the hardest thing. It was the end of the school oh year. Oh my gosh. And yeah, so hard. it was really hard. Did you have a month left of school? Or? Uh-huh. Yeah, we had, yeah. So 
we got home. We had to wait in Ohio. Based, on, They have, like, state laws with adoption that you have to wait a certain amount of time to clear, to be cleared to go to where you live. Um, so we waited for that. And then by the time we got home, we had – we got home on a Thursday, and I went back to work on Monday when we got back from Ohio. So um, – that was hard working for a month with a newborn baby. So thankfully we had family nearby. I'm like, I don't know what we would have done. Like there's no daycare places that take newborn babies. And so thankfully we had family that stepped in and Brandon um, is in school. So he was with her most of the morning. But that was probably one of the biggest challenges is just being at school with a newborn baby. And then being a teacher, I was so worried about bringing home all these like sicknesses oh, to yeah. this little newborn baby. Um, and just being sleep deprived and all of that was just like so crazy. But we survived and we made it through the end of the school year. And my students were so fun. I had some of the best kids I've ever had last year. Like um, when we found out Abby's birth mom was in labor, um, we had to fly out that day. It was, she was born a few weeks early. And so I like walked in and we hadn't told my students. And I just told them, I'm like, I'm getting a baby. And they were so excited and just super great and um so when I came back they were the same way they were just super excited and kind and nice and that helped so much just having these cute kids that I worked with that were so understanding and just like still like I'll still see some in the hallways that I don't have this year and be like how's your baby and just cute kids um so that helped a lot um Abby was thankfully a really good baby like she wasn't colicky or anything she still woke up every few hours to eat like a normal baby but she was a really good baby so that helped and I was actually terrified of being a mother despite all the like fertility treatments and how bad I wanted to be a mom. I was so terrified. Like I was like, am I going to hate this? This could be horrible. And I know that some like women and men have kids and they hate being a parent and that's okay. I think kids can be hard, but thankfully I love being a mom and it's just so fun. And I think partly because we worked so hard to get her, like I just enjoy it a lot more. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have enjoyed it as much if we hadn't Maybe I would have, but if we hadn't struggled so much to get her here. So that's been – I think I was just so happy and, like, it was just, like, such a cool miracle and that – we've just been so happy. Like, people are like, you just seem to love it. I'm like, I really do love it. Like, we are just having so much fun. She's just been – super fun. So I don't know that there was any crazy adjustments aside from I drink a lot more caffeine than I did <laughs> eight months ago. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been That would have been, been so awesome. hard to go back to work that Monday. Oh, like, it was so hard. It was so Were you so just like hard. telling everyone like text me all the pictures? <laughs> yes, I know. I was like, please, every two seconds give me a picture <laughs> of my baby. Um, but yeah, she's she's yeah that was probably the hardest thing and I was so sleep deprived like I remember the last day of school we did an activity and my principal makes fun of me because I was so grumpy that we had to be there and And you're like never grumpy oh I am never grumpy he had never (laughs) seen me like that and I was so grumpy because we ended up doing this activity it was like a symbolic activity but we were all digging holes for trees but only half of us got a plant tree so half of us dug these holes that were pointless and so I was on the pointless group and so I was so grumpy and mad and I was like sitting there and they they were like filming us for this little thing they were doing later and like he my yeah my principal just makes fun of me now he's like I've never seen you like that I'm like well I was sleep deprived and I was getting my time wasted I just wanted to be with my little baby and here I am digging a hole in the ground (laughs) that you had me just fill back in (laughs) so yeah that was hard but we made it and then I had the whole summer home and Yeah, I think I was going to say the other thing is um, Brandon and I are like – we always tell each other we're on the same team. Like that's one of the things we try and do in our marriage because we are super opposite personalities. I am like loud and crazy and 
impulsive and spontaneous and whatever else. And he is like quiet, logical, calm, like structured. And so um, sometimes that causes us to like disagree and get in little tiffs or whatever. And so a lot of times we'll say, hey, we're on the same team. Um, so with that, with having Abigail, like one of the coolest things is just seeing like we're complete partners. And I think that that's made it a lot easier. And I think sometimes – I don't know. I'm not in other people's marriages, but some of my friends or other people have said like how hard it is because they feel like they're doing everything alone. But I haven't felt like that as a mom. And that could also be because like we formula feed and different things. So Brandon and I can share those duties a lot, which is really nice. Um, Like we split getting up in the night and we split like all those different things. And so we're really like partners and teammates. And that's made it, I think, a lot better too. It's just like I married my best friend and we like do this 100% together. It's not like oh, you, we have a kid, you're in charge or something. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But it's not like fighting, like, um, it's your turn. No, <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. He's actually probably gets up more than me because I'm a super light sleeper. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, like it takes me like two hours to fall back asleep. So what we would do is I would just stay up until like 12 or one and then he would take like from one to six and then, yeah, it, it worked out good. Nice. So, yeah. And so you just had your first Christmas. Yes, we did. Yeah. She had no idea what was going on, but she really <laughs> liked the wrapping paper. So <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. At that age, it's like, they don't get it. But then the next year. And the oh, yeah. They're like, it's going to oh, be so Santa. fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She's so fun. We love her. She's just a happy, like, she's been sick this month, so she hasn't been as happy. But mm-hmm. she's normally just like a happy, calm, good baby. She's just the best. So. So right now, Abigail's a a little baby. Yeah. But I guess this is just an opportunity to have recorded your advice to her and your, like, thoughts. Okay. What do I want Abigail to know? So one thing that I haven't really talked about a lot is with adoption, we have an open adoption. So we have relationships with her birth family. And I was a little bit afraid of that. I We had done a lot of research and I kind of knew that that was a good thing. So Abby will know that she's adopted her whole life. And then open adoptions vary from like visits to just emails and phone calls and different things. But we have um, an open adoption with her birth family and just got in contact with some more of her birth family over Christmas. And so one of the things that I really like about that is I have been able to learn about people and have a different view on family than I ever had before. And I feel like our hearts have just like grown with love for all sorts of different people. So um, for people that we're not related to, but like feel like family, like her birth family, um, as well as for like Abigail and someone that I didn't give birth to, but is 100% like my kid. And I love her 100% and it doesn't matter if she's born like from me or not. Mm -hmm. And so, um, one thing that I hope like as she grows up that she knows is that she is loved by all of her family. And for us, all of her family includes like her biological family, as well as her adoptive family, like her, her grandparents on all sides love her. And we've been able to get to know them on her birth family and, um, her grandparents on her adoptive family love her so much. And like us as her, adoptive parents love her and like her birth parents, her, both her birth mom and her birth dad love her and have like so much love for her. And we love her, her birth parents so much. Like, and so I think that's one thing I hope that she knows, like adoption is pretty complicated and there's been like emotions and things that I've had to work through. And that I am sure that her birth family has had to work through, but like at the end of the day, everybody loves her. And so I think that as she grows up, if she can understand that, even though like maybe 
we've made choices that she doesn't like or her birth family made choices that she doesn't like that it all stems from love and that we love her so much. And so I think that that's important for her to know. I also hope that she can be a resilient person and be happy. Like I think that everybody goes through hard things. Like for me, it was one of the things I've been through is infertility and that was super hard, but people, everybody goes through difficult things and I hope that she can make it through and use her family and use her faith, whatever she chooses that to be and get through it. And, and also to just be a happy person and to be kind because you just don't, you just don't know what people are going through. Like I even had an experience this last weekend where I learned something about a really good friend, what they were going through. And I was like, I had no idea. And you're one of my good, good friends and you just don't know. And so I think like get through things, be kind and be happy. Like it, it's going to be okay. So Man, as you were talking, I just was like, wow, like this little girl is loved by so many mm-hmm. people. And and how you said like you've had emotions that you've had to get over. And but I think that what a beautiful thing this mm-hmm. open adoption is that yeah. she'll know it's not some big secret. It's no. not that that she wasn't wanted by this family. Right. It's not that. It's just that like different circumstances yep. and different and and this provided opportunity for yep. you guys to love and to yeah cover. yeah exactly and I think like one thing I was even thinking on the drive up is like there is mercy in every situation like how there's so much love for everybody and it's really hard like I think even when we adopted Abby I didn't think about like the future of adoption and what that would look like. I I knew we'd have conversations, but maintaining relationships with people and how to have conversations about hard things with her as she gets older. And, and I think that that's one thing that, but we can do it. And we just like, Brandon and I talked about it and decided that her family is going to be our family, whether they like it or not, that that's just the way we're going to view it. It's like a marriage, like a different, it's totally different and a different type of relationship, but we're just, we're all going to be family. And that's what we're going to tell her is that we're, that's just her whole family. It's just bigger than maybe a traditional family and that's okay. She just has more people to love on her. So like you said, it's a little bit harder to build those relationships, especially when it's like strangers, but how rewarding will be that one day when she's married yeah she'll be able to have yep. all this family that loves her that's yep. around or when she has kids that yeah and so yeah and yeah like I said it's complicated and it's hard to figure out sometimes but it's it's worth it and that's just the way it is so we make it work you just gave me a whole new perspective <laughs> well we've learned a lot so. <laughs> and everyone's adoption is different that's something that I've learned too is like some birth families want contact and some don't and and for a variety of different reasons. And we've been lucky that, you know, her her birth family wants contact and they love her so much. And so that's been a blessing for us is just having so many people that love her. And our both Brandon's side and my side have been super open and accepting of adoption. And I know that can be hard in different families too. So we've been really blessed on that side that that she's just a part of all of our families. And that's just kind of the way it is. And so that's been a big blessing from all sides, adoptive and birth family that just – She's our family. So, yeah. yeah. So I've been asking you a lot of advice questions. Yeah. <laughs> but I have one more for you. Okay. So what's your advice to someone that's listening right now that they're struggling with infertility? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I think one of the main things I had to learn and be okay with is that um, with infertility and even with adoption, you have to make those decisions for yourself. You can't Google it and you can't figure out you can't google like should i do fertility treatments or should i adopt or how many fertility treatments should i do there's not like a quick answer to that and so 
I think one of the biggest pieces of I of advice for that one is just you have to do what's best for your partnership, whatever that looks like. And um, I also think like another thing that really helped is it's okay to take breaks from fertility treatments. I know sometimes I just needed to take a break for a few months. I just needed a rest from all of the doctors and all of the visits and all of the, this is what's wrong with you. And here's some more things that are wrong with you. And here's another failed pregnancy test. And so I think we took a few like breaks, even if it was like just a month or two of just, we're not going to try for a baby right now. We're going to take a break for a little bit. And that rest I think was really important. Um, I also think that one thing that I've learned the most this last year is that things will work out and they can be really, really hard for a long time. And our story worked out faster than other people's. We have friends that started the adoption and infertility process years before us and still don't have a baby in their arms. And that is heartbreaking. Um, I think though that things things will work out and that looks different for everybody. And like I said, you can't Google the answer to that, why it worked out for some people and, and not for others. And, but I think like just being patient, being okay to not be okay for a little bit, taking some breaks and then just, just hanging in there, like, and finding a few friends that you can count on and rely on that you can open up with is also super helpful. So don't do it alone. Cause it was so miserable alone. Like once we told a few people and I told a few friends that were really close to me and that I knew would have my back. It helped a lot just having a few people that were aware that could help. So you said be okay with not being okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. My, um, mother-in-law asked me the other day, um, she got diagnosed with cancer just a little bit ago and she's doing great, but she like, we were just having a random conversation. Like as she left out my door and she said something like, Oh, you just, I just feel like you're so positive and whatever. And I try to be a really positive person, but I told her, I'm like, but I have my moments like when I was sitting on the bathroom floor just crying and just like just crying. That that was it. Like I think sometimes it's it really is okay to not be okay for a little bit. It's okay to be sad on Mother's Day. It's okay to be teary when you walk in the Target baby aisle thinking you're never going to be able to do that. I had one like doctor's visit where I was sitting in the OBGYN and they were doing more treatments and there was all these cute little pregnant ladies and um, in the next room there was a – a girl and a guy that were getting their ultrasound and finding out if it was a boy or girl. And I was finding out that I wasn't pregnant again and getting, and I was just, I just remember sitting there thinking like, this is my pregnancy experiences. And like they had a, it was kind of ironic. They had like a picture of my empty uterus and this other couple has like this little baby. And I just like remember being sad and being like, you know what? It's okay if I'm sad right now. It's okay that I'm sitting here and with this random lady and I'm sad and this other couple is super happy. Like it's okay to just be sad sometimes because things are sad and that's that's fine. And then you pick yourself up and you keep going and you find ways to deal with it and find other things to be meaningful and work through it. So so what were some of the ways you found to like deal with it and be meaningful? <sighs> that's a good question. Um, running helped. I had to stop running for a while. That was actually part of the reason I think fertility treatments were really hard. Running's always kind of been my coping mechanism. Like I just, if I'm frustrated or sad or happy, I go for a run and I feel yeah. better. You would <laughs> like, wake me up and yeah. be like, exactly. exactly. Go We'd go running together. Yeah. And so the, when they told me it would probably be best if I rested for a while and stopped running, like it was kind of hard because I had to find other ways. So, um, 
I went to grad school and Mm -hmm. I just finding things that were meaningful, finding purpose in my work or honestly also looking for other people to serve is really important. Like getting outside yourself and not just feeling sorry for yourself all the time and just finding fun things that you can do that you wouldn't be able to do if you're in a different circumstance. So whether you're single or married with infertility, like we planned a vacation or like I stayed up super late because I could and, and just doing things that you can do in that situation that you wouldn't be able to do in another one. So, No, I love that you like touched on service too because Mm -hmm. just barely I was coming out of this funk and Mm -hmm. I realized that I was really happy and I was like, my circumstance didn't change. I'm in limbo in a bunch of areas of my life, but I was happy because I was looking outside myself, you know? Yep. And it's, and it's easy easy to get back in the rut because yep. I feel like oh, I've yeah. gotten more selfish. And so I'm not as happy as I was like a, even a couple of weeks ago, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that that really like you always hear like serve people. And I think like make a lasagna for them. But like serving is other ways like how you said that just someone reaching out and texting yep. you and saying just thinking of you. Like I coached a lot. And so I would try and find find a student that I can help or find, you know, a coworker that I can go and say hi to and see how they're doing. Yeah, like not always – Let's make some cookies and yeah. take them over, but or let's break your leaves, right? Or... But like, what can I? Is there a relationship I can build? Is there mm-hmm. somebody that I can text? Is there somebody? Because it's so easy and really hard thing. Like infertility is a really hard thing, and like I said, I thought about it every single day, like multiple times a day, and but if I could find a reason that I was where I was. Like I was teaching school. So this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't have a kid right now. I'm going to be working. What can, who can I help? And it, you know, I think that's really important in finding purpose in what you're doing and where you're at. I totally agree. I second that. So. Sweet. <laughs> well, I feel like the time has gone by fast. We've awesome. been chatting for like 45 minutes. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Anything you want to add before we end? Or? I don't know. Are there any questions that you have? Like I'm really open about like adoption or infertility okay, that so- you have because I will share away. I know that I had questions that I wanted to ask yeah, people, but I okay. was too afraid to. So like, because I don't know a lot about adoption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like a private – what's the difference between a private adoption and a – is it a public adoption? An agent, like oh, an agency. agency. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question and I think that's something that people should know about too. So a private adoption um, – in adoption, you kind of have these three different areas. You have a social worker, a lawyer, and then you have somebody that matches with like an expectant parent. So um, – a lot of people will sign up with an agency to find an expectant parent. Um, so that's where a lot of the cost comes in is the agency does a lot of advertising and will market for you oh. and 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 has people that maybe come to them that are expecting. And so that's where that, an agency is. And agencies, like I said, can cost a lot of money. And then also when we were researching, there are a lot of adoption agencies that do unethical things like, like uh, going out to other states and – telling people like if you get pregnant we'll pay you or like just yeah just really kind of sad sad things or or there's people that are scamming like that'll just try and make money off of you because you're in a vulnerable place and you want to adopt and you'll pay them money and things so um so that's kind of the agency side and then there's also super good agencies that are really ethical and and are just really out there to help you so um but it just it's also super expensive because you're yeah. paying them for all the marketing and different things like that. And and a lot of times it's kind of like a one fee. They'll pay – like you pay them and they'll take care of the social worker and the lawyer and the matching and the marketing and the all of that stuff. Okay. 
So private adoption, then you kind of have to find these different areas. So we went with Utah adoption specialists for the social worker. And then they actually, there's some like adoption conferences. You have to do training classes, um, a certain amount of hours to adopt. And so when we went there, there were different lawyers and they kind of, the, the social workers and the lawyers, they kind of have connections together. So, um, our social worker with Utah Adoption Specialists recommended some lawyers for us to meet up with. So we went with um, a guy named Derek Williams who works up in Salt Lake, and he's really great. Um, so we kind of had those two, and then we did, like I said, the marketing ourselves. So we used social media um, to to match with somebody. So that's kind of the difference there is we pay the social worker and the lawyer directly, whereas with an agency, you're going to pay the agency, and they'll a lot of times they'll take care of those different aspects for you if that makes so sense that, does that cut, cut costs mm-hmm. a lot yeah a lot yeah a lot so I'll just kind of give you a yeah. range of what yeah like a lot of times agencies I think like some of the least expensive in Utah that I know of are around 30 to 60 thousand oh, dollars really? for an adoption and you can do private infant adoption if you do in Utah like anywhere from like two to seven thousand dollars we um did out of state so that's a little more expensive because you have to pay for a lawyer in the state you're in as well as in the state you're adopting from um and so that usually ranges anywhere from like five to twenty thousand dollars maybe more just depending on the situations Uh and lawyers i mean that lawyers are definitely the most expensive part but it's it's generally a lot less expensive and and different things. And there's pros and cons to each. We've had friends that have adopted through agencies and we've had friends that have done private infant adoption. And there's a whole bunch of different reasons to do both. And there's not a right or wrong for people. Um, and there's also foster care and different things. Um, but we chose private infant adoption because that kind of fit where we thought we could be. We use social media a lot and um, we worked with Utah adoption specialists and we'd had some friends that had, had done it through private. So that's kind of why we chose that way. So are there resources for people that are just starting out and they don't yeah. know like, where would, to go and who to I trust? would actually recommend, even if, um, if you want to go with an agency, I think that's really great, but um, to do edu- get some education first. And if you go to – I'm not like sponsored by Utah Adoption yeah. Specialists. I'm just talking about them because that's yeah, what I know. Um, if you go to their website, I know that they have resources. I think they host a training in February. They only do it twice a year. It's like February and September maybe where you can do the classes and stuff that you need for – um, adoption and they go over all sorts of things in those trainings like um different things like how do you pick where and who you're gonna adopt and you know are you okay with drugs and are you okay with um different like developmental delays that might happen what about transracial adoption and just different things like that that are there's a lot of questions about mm-hmm. how do you find a lawyer um what happens if you get matched what happens if you have a failed adoption um just all sorts of things that we went to one that was like adopting after infertility. And so just the different things that you work through in adoption and a lot of education that's really helpful. So I would recommend doing that first because I think that can also be a place you can decide if adoption's for you or if it's not. Maybe you will do fertility treatments or maybe you won't have kids or um, I think that that's something that's really helpful is just getting the education on it. So Okay, I'll put the link to the website. Super, yeah, and I can send it to you. And then what, like, if people are looking into fertility treatment, Mm -hmm. what's, like... That's a good question, too. That one's hard. We, um, I had just, like, a regular OBGYN that I went to. And, like I said, I'm not sponsored by any of these people. This is just my experience. But I Mm -hmm. went to um, Valley OBGYN in Orem, um, and Dr. Andrews was my doctor. And she was really great. And she actually did a really good job. I know other people, their regular OBGYNs, they're not as happy with. But she did quite a bit. We did 
the bulk of our fertility treatments with her. And it was exactly like we would get at a fertility treatment, but a lot less expensive. And then when things got complicated enough, she sent us to a fertility specialist. So we did the Utah Fertility Center in Pleasant Grove. They also have one in Murray. Um, but they are a little more expensive, but they are also specialists. And so they were some that were able to find out some different things that were wrong alongside the things that Dr. Andrews had found. So I would recommend um, if you don't have a super good OBGYN going to fertility specialists, like one thing that I really liked about ours was she let us pick like how aggressive we wanted to be. Sometimes if you're just with a regular doctor, they'll say, oh, we'll just take these pills for a few months and we'll see. So, but I think it's important to know you can be as aggressive with fertility treatments as you would like. So if you're not happy with it, then go find another doctor um, and go to a fertility clinic because it's, I don't know, that is their specialty and that's what they work at. So. Oh, I'm glad that you gave those recommendations because even though you're like, I'm not sponsored by them or whatever, I think that it's just nice to know where other people go and what they've used and just to have – Yeah. And we've had a ton of friends that have gone with the Utah Fertility Center and really loved them. We really liked our doctor there too. Um, We just ended up not continuing that for now and we we probably won't for the next little while, but – yeah, they're really great. So, and I would say do your research. Like even within a fertility center, the doctors can be different. And I think if you don't like your experience, then find find another doctor because like that's a really hard thing. And if you're not having a good experience, that can make it a lot harder to keep going. So, yeah. no, that's really good. I'm glad that you were like, ask me anything. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But yeah. I, was, yeah. I was like, yeah, how do you even? Yes. Do yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Oh, and I should say Dr. Gerchiff was the doctor at the fertility center. So. Okay. If that's helpful for anybody. She's really great. We really liked her. Sweet. I think one thing that I've learned with adoption is a a lot of people will say things like, oh, I'm just going to adopt or, oh, I think it'd be really cool to adopt because we'd be saving so many kids. And that's one thing that I've learned is it's kind of hurtful, especially as an adoptive parent and for adoptees, like adoptive kids. Adoption is really great, but sometimes the like like I'm going to go in and save kids, I don't know, is always the best mentality because it is like I'm Abby's mom. Like that is what mm-hmm. I am. I didn't save her. And yeah. like we love her birth family. And I think sometimes – and I I probably was guilty of that before we adopted too. Like, oh, adoption's so cool because you mm-hmm. help these kids that are just so helpless. And, and it can be true. You are helping kids that may have been in otherwise maybe really hard situations and things. But I also think that we have a lot of respect for um, birth families and for birth parents and for – birth moms especially and placing their children and I think it's really important to remember that side of adoption and I think it's something I didn't think about as much especially before we got into the adoption process is that there are people on the other side of the adoption table and they are people not just like I don't know they're they're human beings and I think mm-hmm. that that's important to remember and it's not just adoption and it's not just getting a baby like poof they show up in your house like it is a lot of complicated things and emotions to work through. And I think that that's kind of important to to think about if you're thinking about adoption, that it's a, a really big thing for both the birth family and the adoptive family and the adoptee. And that's going to impact them for the rest of their life. That decision that they didn't have a say in mm. impacts them. And so it's really important to I think like talk sensitively about it instead of just all people like, oh, that'd be awesome that you just adopted and you didn't have to be pregnant and that's so cool. And I mean, there are some really cool things about it, but it's also, I think it's still a very serious like thing and there's emotions on all sides that are really deep and complicated. So I think like avoiding the phrase like, oh, I'm just going to adopt or Mm -hmm. I didn't like being pregnant, so I'm just going to adopt. I think that that's harmful to 
different sides in the adoptive community. So this is all great to learn because I'm 33 and I am completely single right now. <laughs> and so by the time I meet someone, get married, I'm married for a while and have kids, I'm going to be a lot older. Yeah. And like I might not be able to have kids. And I've always just pictured myself having foster kids or adopting. I don't know why. That's just been a part of what I've pictured when I've pictured my future. And so it's been very beneficial for me to learn awesome. about adoption. Yeah. Today. Adoption is is great. And it's but I think, yeah, there's a lot of education and we've learned so much. And it's been awesome. Like I've done things in the last year that I never would have imagined myself doing, but that have been so great and so awesome. So So did you guys have you talked to people that like are adopted? And their yeah. perspective and what they wish their parents would have done. Did you? Yeah. One of the cool things um, about kind of the – there's like a lot of people in the adoption community. And we're on a couple of Facebook groups. And then through Utah Adoption Specialists, there's, like I said, those classes and some support groups and stuff. And one of the cool things that they have done is just a panel of um, birth parents and adoptive parents and adoptees. Um, and a lot of times they'll have like um, – one time we went and they had a birth parent, adoptive parent, and adoptee of all the same like – adoptive triad family mm -hmm. and just hearing all their different perspectives was probably one of the most helpful things just to see different perspectives and everyone's adoption story looks different and is different but it's helpful kind of seeing positive different things I have a really good friend who's adopted and um when we first brought Abby home there was some things and I'm like have I like ruined this little girl's life like by taking her from her birth family and um is this like gonna be a horrible thing that she's gonna have to deal with and we've just done this awful thing to her. Um, but my friend that's adopted said, you know, there's a lot of really bad things that can happen and adoption is not the worst thing. And that may sound really bad to people, mm -hmm. but it was something that I was really worried about. And she just said that, you know, there's, there's really good things in adoption. And, um, so I think that's something that helped kind of, I don't know where I was going with that, but there's that thought for you. <laughs> I was just thinking of This Is Us. I don't know if you watched yeah, that show, but totally. it worked for Randall. Yep, worked <laughs> so. for Randall. Yep. And then Randall found his birth family. It's so great. They all became family. It's so awesome. I actually really like This Is Us um, in a lot of ways because I think it shows um, like transracial adoption, some of the really difficult things that Randall goes through mm -hmm. have to do with like his race and identity within his white family. And I think that that's super cool. Um, so yeah, and I love This Is Us. It's just... Who doesn't love Jack Pearson? I mean, come <laughs> I know, on. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just realized, I didn't realize that he Gilmore was Girls. on Gilmore Girls. Oh, but yeah. oh, that yeah. he was Jesse. Yeah. And I, I loved him. I love Jess. Yeah. Or Jess, yeah. Jess. Jess I was I never a Jess. Jess fan. So oh, I don't even remember his name. Logan. Oh, oh, no. Not a Logan fan. I'm a Jess fan. Really? Yeah, I know. I guess I like the bad boys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I also like Luke, so maybe I just like that family. I don't know. Well, for those of you that watch Gilbert and Mrs. S, let us know. Well, shout out. Yeah. Who are you? And so also people can find you on your blog. It's yes. Brooke Loves the Jazz. BrookeLovesTheJazz.com. Yes. yes. And yes. I always love your posts. I don't know why. I I think I subscribed on two email addresses, so uh -huh. I get it double. Oh, every a time double dose. Of, uh, so I'm always like, mm, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just love the way that you write. You're so much You're fun. And yeah, yeah. Please come see my blog. It's great. It's awesome. Good times. I'll have someone laugh at my joke every now and again. So, <laughs> and you can talk jazz. With yes, talk jazz with me. You can uh, see pictures of Abigail. Is mostly what the blog is these <laughs> days, or my Instagram is mostly just Abigail. So yeah. 
but we can talk jazz. We can talk running. We can talk Taco Amigo, which is a little small food chain in Orem. <laughs> and yeah, we can talk adoption and infertility. So awesome. Yep. Well, I might have to have you back to interview Taco Amigo for Utah Fan Club. So. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> so, well, thanks so much. It's been fun catching up. Yeah, thanks for having me and letting me share our story. It's, it's fun to share it. So, so and um, head on over to Notable Peeps. We're going to have links on there about adoption and we'll have some pictures of your family with Brandon awesome. and Abigail as well. So. so fun. Well, thanks guys for listening and remember to put on your shoes, do your best, and believe in the impossible. Thanks so much for pushing play and listening to this episode. For more information about today's guests or to submit a nomination for a remarkable person that you would like to hear interviewed, head on over to NotablePeeps.com. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true. If you're loving listening to other people's stories here on this podcast, then maybe it's time to start recording your own. Head on over to reminisaudio.com and take the hard work out of preserving your memories.